Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now the finale of She-Hulk. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And if you haven't checked it out already, we are going to be talking about She-Hulk season one. Season one? Maybe. Episode nine, definitely. (laughs) Whose show is it? And I'll tell you whose show it is. It is She-Hulk. Spoilers past this point. But in this episode, it all comes down to this. As She-Hulk finds out the leader of the intelligentsia, the Hulk King himself, is none other than, I want to say Todd is his name. That is his name, Alex. Great. Anyway, so we find that out. There's a big battle royale that starts before She-Hulk breaks out of Disney+, Plus, tracks down Kevin, who is a robot, as it turns out, and not Kevin Feige, goes into the writer's room in classic comic book She-Hulk fashion, changes the narrative. Hold on one second, Pete. There's the recap portion that you can give. Then you can talk about the Marvel flip or whatever the fuck you want to talk about. And uh, then, um, yeah, she changes the narrative and things wrap up pretty quickly. And they have a Fast and the Furious style dinner with Daredevil. Hulk shows up with Scar. And that's pretty much it. You shut the <laughs> subtitles off because uh, it gives away the Kevin joke with the subtitles before you get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That would have really ruined the episode for me. <laughs> well, it doesn't that's the ruin the thing. episode. That's the one it, thing. It's, yeah. it's a fun reveal that, mm-hmm. like, but when you see the subtitle, it kind of gives you the spelled out Kevin instead of just saying Kevin, so you mm-hmm. kind of know what's coming a little bit. Oh, because it's a robot that you're yeah. saying. Yeah, it's a robot instead of Kevin right. Feige. It's it's Kevin. Oh, okay. I didn't quite get that, but thank you for clarifying. I appreciate it. They honestly look pretty much the same to me. So why don't we overall, and I feel like this is basically putting my hand on a hot stove here, but as we usually do with these finales, why don't we overall talk about how we felt about the show now that it is in the rearview mirror, we finished nine episodes. How are we feeling about it? Justin, you look ready to chat. Great. Yes, I am. Um, You know, I I thought about this after watching the episode. Like, it's one of these things where I like the vibe. I like so much of what this show has on the table. It's fun. I love the actors. I love the characters. It's one of the the most comic booky shows from a a moment to moment basis. Like, at the end of this episode, we've got Hulk, She-Hulk, and Daredevil all in the same moment. Introduction of Scar randomly. It's like... That's awesome. That's com- real comic books on screen where it's it doesn't nerdy. have to be. And it's nerdy. It's deep. We don't – not a lot happens, which is sort of also a comic book thing sometimes. So like um, – so that's all good. The parts – the other parts of it is a stilted television show that doesn't quite know what it wants to be. And this episode I think specifically very oh, much was that where we have to go so meta and so commenting on what we're doing – that it it literally you see the character punching out of the menu screen on the show and being like being like you know what forget this show i'm gonna go to another box and check on something else i was like that's what i i just thought it was such a crazy idea to go that meta and do that thing uh when i wanted them to do the opposite but go go deeper i think the show needed the opposite energy at several moments throughout the season where rather than like this like turn to screen and be like this is weird and commenty. Um, and I under that impulse is very much like a comedian's thing. Rather than go deeper, it's like, let me make a little joke here because that feels safer. But I think the opposite is where I wanted to go. And I agree with the show that the ending they were setting up where everyone just fights in this barn, I wasn't going to be happy with that too. But if they just committed to it and made the show internally what we wanted it to be, what they wanted it to be, I think that would have been way more satisfying. Pete, take it away. You seem more positive about this, and I know you've been more positive about the show in general. 
Yeah, uh, I I just think uh, you know the first half of what Justin said is enough of that. Oh, come on. Why do you always have to break things into half? You don't want to divide things come in halves. Like, yeah, just and check the whole. Here's here's You've how we. I, I just want to review, for, like, set some ground rules here. Yeah, the way that we review things on the show, <laughs> the way that we talk about things is one. We talk about things as a whole. We don't split it apart. It's all even. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great job two, calling this bit back. I two, appreciate what on, you're doing. Two, the second part is we don't compare it to anything. This exists entirely on its what? own with no comparison to anything else. And third thing, it's pretty messed up that we haven't talked about the Marvel flip yet. Now, at the beginning thank of the you. episode... Wow. Thank you, full, because at the beginning of the episode, we get the Marvel flip interrupted. I mean, such a fun choice. This is a hilarious start to the episode, but we're not getting into the episode yet. We're talking overall. So I, I do want to say uh, this was a ton of fun. There was some fun cameos. A lot of great cameos. You're talking about uh, this, this season. Was, yes. This is very nerd-friendly. ton of Easter eggs. Um, I, I had a blast. I, you know, I didn't feel like we were in some kind of formula where I knew what was going to happen. I felt like I was just on a fun roller coaster with the, with a bunch of Marvel friends. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this, uh, show just like it's end credits is bright and funny and a lot of fun. Hmm. I enjoyed the eighth episode of this season. Hey, all right. Oh, nice. That's nice. Oh, wait, Alex, no. That's, yeah, what's we up? talked about. What? Sorry, the, the question yeah, that I want to say yeah. you asked. So uh-huh. this is your ad, literally yeah, answering okay. the question you asked. Was uh-huh. talking about the season as a whole. Now you're talking about no, no, one no, episode. Let's get into this so, episode. Okay. So no, he's I talking mean, about last episode. Yeah, not let's this talk episode. about it. Let's talk about the season as a whole. So that episode with Daredevil that they broadcast where they finally brought him onto screen, that was great. Uh-huh. No, but they, 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 yes, I agree. I think we all see you weren't yeah, here for that episode. Okay. You weren't here for that episode. No, Pete and I, I talked wasn't, about I it. Wasn't here it's a shame because it. it sounds like you had some positive, some good vibes to bring really to enjoy it. it. Great chemistry between the two of them. No, I, agree. I would love it if there were some episodes that came before that or after that. Were there any? Oh, yeah, Alex, yeah, actually. Uh, Sorry, first my off, audio cut out for a second. Really enjoyed the eighth episode, though. Weird that they numbered the first episode eight, but. It is what it is. Anyways, I'm, I'm glad you. It's, I'm glad wow. you liked it. Let's get into the episode. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, overall, this was one of the worst TV shows I've seen in a really long time. This wow. Was, wow. I'm Ooh, sorry. Roast. I. Ooh, and I it is. I. I, I think this is uh, taking what you were saying, Justin. Maybe even a step farther. Because of the level of the people involved, that's what makes it even more disappointing to me because mm. I wanted to succeed and I wanted to be good. Love Tatiana Maslany. She is hilarious and awesome. I will watch her in literally anything that she does. She's great. I want her to succeed. I love She-Hulk, like we've been talking about (laughs) all season as a character. I do think the bones were there, like you were saying, to potentially do something. And even... You know, to dial in and like pivot the conversation a little bit into this episode, I think this really brought to bear a lot of my feelings about almost every episode this season where they were in the first half. Sorry, Pete. Uh, in the first you half can't, of the you're episode. You're breaking your own rule. There's no halves here. Yeah, it was Thank you, Pete, with the halves. That I made. Uh, Pete, if you could move farther away from the microphone, that would be great. Yeah, well, then I'm we could really melting in my seat because I'm so bored with what you're saying. <laughs> you're melting out of boredom. Here's the thing. I, don't know I was familiar. really rooting for it even in the first half because I was like – this has been so all over the place. This hasn't had any focus other than the eighth episode, which I do think had the focus and all of the elements in place that we've been talking about and wanting all as season long. I was like, that one brought everything together. This one in the majority of the episode, as we're leading up to this confrontation at Emil Blonsky's compound or health spa or whatever you want to call it, felt to me like... I don't love everything that's happening. It's not the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. But as the end of a Marvel movie, I do get this and I understand this. And at least they're leaning into something. And then the fact that they had, mind you, I get it. It is a classic shout out to John Byrne and his run where She-Hulk broke out of the comics and ripped out of the pages, went to the uh, offices of Marvel Comics and was like, Hey, guys, this story isn't working. Let's fix it. I was like, okay, I get what you're doing here. But the problem is that at the end of the episode, 
it just completely fizzled out. Anything that she was saying and anything that she was telling K-I-K-E-V-I-N, Kevin. Kevin, just say Kevin. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just spelling it out for people so people know I'm not talking about the character from We Need to Talk About Kevin. It might be yes. confused, right? Yeah. Pete? That's, that's a completely movie. different thing. Or yeah, Kevin can fuck himself. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Ooh, a they completely that different show. Why would, we, I would why would that be? I, wouldn't say I that. would never say that. Anyway, my point being that like I inherently like the idea of her pointing, leading up to a classic Marvel confrontation, going over the top where t- Titania comes in, Hulk comes in. It doesn't make any sense. They're just doing the classic showdown, and her saying, "No, let me do what I do best." I was with it up until then even if I didn't love it. And then the fact that they immediately cut to a confrontation that didn't actually follow up on that stuff. I was like, this is what you've been doing all along is you've been throwing out these ideas and then fizzling them out as you follow them up in a way that just bums me out. That's the main well, takeaway. I know I said right, it's well, the worst show you, I've seen you'll in a be while, bummed but out. And we'll talk about the episode then. You just be bummed for a little while and we'll take it from here. Should I take it in another direction, Pete? Because I was thinking about uh, I could come into this episode being like, absolutely sensational. She-Hulk has smashed all records and is marvelous. The most marvelous thing I've seen in a long time. Marvel has done it again. Another hit. Paint me green because I'm envious of how good this show is. All right. Well, I don't know what you're doing, but okay. Listen, Stanley. Stanley. We that yeah, was awful. Yeah. It was awful. So listen, the, uh, I mean, I gotta say, pretty good. The the start of it was such a fun, creative thing. Here we get into this. You know, we get the old Hulk TV show as she's kind that. of like coming to. That was such a cool fun moment that kind of interrupted the uh, a very well done Marvel flip. And uh, I think this was such a, an example of creative swings that this show can take that it's kind of like referencing as, as something that old comic book nerds and old fans of something will appreciate. It's doing its own little twist on it, making fun of it as it's going. I thought it was really hysterical and very fun. Doing the old Incredible Hulk opening opening with She-Hulk, great. Totally agree with you. Here's my issue with that. Oh my, my issue God. with that is they had Did a you real hear per- the first part of your sentence, asshole? You can't uh, love something and then also no, hate it. because this is you a can. different issue. This is a different issue. My different issue was bringing in a person who is large and painted green in the sequence. I was like... Oh, that looks so good. Just do that. And the fact that then we had to hear That's what the old Hulk TV show did. That's why they're doing it. I get that. I am talking about the She-Hulk TV show where then I had to watch shitty She-Hulk CGI for the rest of the episode that looks bad. And it made me bummed out, again, uh, this is probably going to be my catchphrase for the episode, that I was watching something, I was like, oh, I just wish we would do that, just to have real people who are painted green doing this stuff, because it looks so much better, and it feels so much better than whatever this uncanny valley thing is that they're doing. Well, I, I, it was a cool, I like that they did it for this thing. I don't think they're pot committed to what this the cgi is here and uh, like you definitely see moments where it's like oof that's that is not great that doesn't bother me as much because i know everyone's trying hard the thing that bothered me in the cgi in this episode was the call out that they did during the kevin scene where i was like oh don't change on camera it's too expensive i was like no what they're already meta they're talking about it i mean that's one of the reasons you only get her for so long it like that. It made me very uncomfortable because, as we've talked about on the podcast, there's been a huge amount of discussion about how, to say it as bluntly as possible, Marvel has been abusing their VFX artists in a very yeah. serious way. There's been a lot of artists that have come out and talk about it. So to joke about it in this way and... Part of the joke, mind you, was like, oh, they've moved on to another project, and then they played a Black Panther sting to tease the fact that, oh, they've gone on to talk about Wakanda forever. But I agree with you. That really put me off because of the real-world conversation. It felt very snarky in a non-positive way. Let's get back into what happened in the episode before you guys just nitpick fucking things you didn't like. Listen, let's Just wait, 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 Pete. Hold on a second. 
we're not nitpicking this to be mean to something. I like. I think these are valid issues to talk about, and if only like that's literally what we do. We all have different opinions, and I think we should be able to talk about them here. That was literally the point of the episode: is we should be in charge of our story. And I think it's not to be like this is bad. To me, it's like the choices they made were um, surprising and I can see the swings they're making here, but it feels like just misguided uh, across the board. Like, and to make that they're just not in control, the same thing that she Hulk chooses here. She's like, I want to be in control of this show. Cause I don't like where it's going. They, they make choices where they're not in control of their show to make that reference to the CGI thing shows like a lack of it to me it just pushed in a in a moment which is already meta it was like we were two layers outside of our characters actually talking to each other and then they make a reference to a controversy that puts me spinning onto twitter essentially i was like it feels like they're not in control of the story they're telling uh so right. it just felt like a, a weird a real betrayal of the theme that they were trying to hide well, and i want to uh, add but, to this because this is i feel like look, a constant refrain on this podcast and this is 100 percent not attacking you pete this comes from a place of love and i, I want to clarify yeah. this for the listeners as well we love marvel we love she hulk we want to feel good watching the show and not to speak for Justin, but I don't feel good watching the show, and I'm trying to figure out why. That's what this right. discussion is about. It's, it's not, an exploration. It's not. Right, but let's go yeah. literally with what happened in the episode. Sure. So we had the Hulk kind of intro that was a fun shout-out to the old TV show, which I felt very kind of seen and very happy, like, oh, my God, Lou Ferrigno. You know, like this was uh, – these were uh, fun times and kind of like uh, – what a kind of fun little take on it, you know? Uh, and then she wakes up in jail, which is kind of where Abomination was. So this fun switch of like, here's a character who's usually on the other side of the glass, now in the glass of like, oh crap, did she get arrested for what happened? Like, So let, let's talk about this because this is another point of contention, I think. So if, uh, if anybody subscribes to our Patreon, patreon.com slash comic book club, there's a Kevin, one of the folks on our, Slack, not to call him his not real name, Kevin. No, yeah. yeah, not Kevin Feige. The robot. Kevin the robot. Yeah, not Kevin the robot. There's this is why we need to clarify this thing, Peter. This is why I was explaining it. Anyway, Kevin pointed out last week one of the things that he was worried about with this episode was that Jen was going to get blamed for this stuff. And he, I believe he specifically broke, uh, brought up and to be fair, I have not fact-checked this, but I believe him. He's usually pretty good with his facts. That there are revenge porn laws in California that are pretty strict on this stuff. So he was pointing out the fact that these dudes in masks went to this place, revealed a bunch of private information about Jen in a room full of lawyers. The logical, actual thing to happen would be the room full of lawyers would follow up with that that, that way. I was arguing out of the slack that I think from a dramatic perspective – Revenge porn is still revenge porn. So even if you have laws in place, it's still going to affect a female character in some way, either through public opinion or otherwise. And there are things that are uncomfortable, but things that you can play with there. They did neither of those things. Uh, instead, they went for, oh, she was a Hulk and she went crazy, throw her in prison. This gets into a sense of like, what is the logic of the MCU here? Because, yes, I get if we're talking about comic books where Hulk is constantly going on rampages, I get it. But Bruce Banner, the Hulk, has been a hero for at this point, I want to say 10 years of MCU time. He has been a member right. of the Avengers. They punished the abomination, which makes sense because he wrecked Harlem, but they also let him go. So for them to basically be like, well, Hulk laws, got to throw her in prison. There you go. Feels like there's ignoring a level of logic that's already been set up in the world that points to, frankly, it feels like it's not respecting the intelligence of the audience that has been watching this stuff. Because we know how this world works. We've seen the continuity. You got to be smarter than that. And you got to work harder than that. And instead, they go for exactly what Jen calls out later, being like, oh, that's lazy. Why did they do that? And you can't both actually do the lazy choice and then call out the lazy choice. You have to do some sort of smarter choice 
and then figure out an even smarter way to get out of the smarter choice. And that's not what the show does. Mm. I just thought it was a, a nice uh, way to show how supportive <laughs> hey, the man. parents were when we're like different the parents people. came and visitor and the dad was like, Oh, everybody goes to the jail time. Don't worry about it. I, I thought that was adorable. You the just dad like, in this you just like Larry Appleton. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, he Cousin killed Larry. it. I mean, he hosed down the reporters. That shit was hysterical. Yeah. Um, well, he was doing it in a drought condition, but he seemed to have a lot of water pressure. Very proud uh, of that. He's, I'm just proud that he was, you know, he was, he was being there for his daughter in a very sweet and adorable way. And I'll throw out a positive thing because I've been very negative. I do think Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki has grown on me. I think of all the supporting characters, she's the one that has made some sort of an impact versus, say, Pug, I'm going to mention. Uh, I love well, Pug. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what love do you about like him? about Pug? What's your favorite characteristic of Pug? Well, first off, he's in the shoes, so am I. I like it. Um, you know, he's you know trying Sneaker. to do his job, but people make him do things that maybe he doesn't want to do a lot, you know? Mm. So there's a lot to relate to with that guy. Yeah, you like the fact that he was on an Arrow. That's one of his main characteristics on the show. They've definitely, there's a potential that it could really talk about that. You can <laughs> pump and turn to camera and be like, the Arrowverse, you know, struggled yeah, in its time. You wouldn't see this on the Arrowverse, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That would be funny. See, I, that's a good boundary-pushing joke. But I do uh, think she is doing a lot with a little bit, and things like her saying, oh, I'm so sorry I stole all the food and these tiles from the office for you when Jen is getting fired, but I'm going to still work here because they're paying me a lot of money. I thought that was well-delivered. Also, yeah. her uh, conversation with her- Jen's mom, where she was asking for the cookies oh, yeah. and the food and everything. I thought that was cute and fun. Also, so, just like- uh, just to wrap up, all, all I wanted to say is, like, I feel like that's a character who has been not given enough other than, like, I'm here to support Jen. But they are slowly figuring out her game. They yeah. should have done it episodes ago, but they've done it by the ninth episode. And I think, again, Jinzer Saga is kind of running away with it. So that helps. Super uh, likable. I also want to just jump in on that compliment train when she's like, hey, buddy, when she wakes up in prison. I was really well delivered. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, I, I agree with you. Like, she she is the character that is sort of um, the most fun to follow out, out of the supporting cast. Um, I agree. I wish we'd seen her, uh, more of her earlier. They've given her a little bit of space to sort of perform in this episode, which I think they haven't done a lot. Um, but I, I, the pug thing, I'm just like, I wish we knew this person. If we knew this person, it would be so cool to have him be thrown into this like a, a toxic man meeting of the intelligentsia and just have him be like really struggling with saying nasty things. Um, had to be undercover, but it, it just felt so stilted and weird it, to me. It didn't really work. And and then we get into like a ton of stuff happens here. But um, hold, hold on. I just want to stay on Pug for a second because I like the actor. I like all yeah. of these actors. But like you're saying, Justin, I feel like when we got in that situation, when he's thrown into the intelligentsia and he's asked to say these not even really vile things, but like very surfacey vile things, which uh, again on surface. You're gonna I nitpick think, how vile it is now? I mean, come on, bro. No, no, no. no. Um, I thought like the idea that he's like, ah, oh, females. I think that worked as a joke. Again, did not make me laugh out loud, but in terms of the first part of this episode being like, all right, I'm just gonna run with this. I have not liked a lot of these episodes, but. At least they're doing something here and they're going for it. I felt like that was okay. And I felt like the stuff that the guys were saying in Intelligentsia was broad enough that it worked. Again, not laugh out loud funny, but at least like I think structured properly. But to the point that you're saying, Justin, we don't know that Pug is enough. We don't know enough about him as a guy to know how uncomfortable he would be as a vile, gross guy. You know, we know he gives gift baskets. We know he likes shoes. We know he was in one episode with Nikki trying to find Luke, but that's kind of all we know about him at this point. Yeah. I mean, a lot. So I was saying like Nikki post this video and I was like, when she first started doing it, I was like, oh, what is she doing? This is a bad thing. Um, I wish they had, like, played with that a little bit and sort of made us, maybe gave us a little red herring that maybe she was somehow betraying Jen. Give it, Jen up a little drama here because so much of what I was, happens. Uh, you agree? 
no, I, I, I just feel like I was so happy they let us off the hook because my heart started. I was like, oh, no, not you. You're you're supposed to be on our side. Like, wh- why would you do this? And then the reveal of like, oh, I see what we're doing was such a relief. But I, that, that's what I'm saying. I wish they like played with that a little bit more because we just get so much plot like running through this. And if we had like a little bit more of Nikki, like maybe betraying Jen and everyone turning on her and then realizing that they're actually all coming together in this final moment um, that then Jen interrupts. I thought that could have been cool. But we could just get a lot of plot dropping with like her reaching out to the people, um, Hulk, Blonsky, um, not not getting contact with them, Pug going in. The focus, the intelligentsia, like I I think that them as a villain was a cool idea, but their obsession exclusively with She-Hulk felt a little like convenient and disingenuous. I wanted them to be like, we got She-Hulk, who's next? Like mm-hmm. then they're a larger threat. All, the, we, all we got in this meeting is them being like, we won and being like, casual dicks about it where I was like I wasn't I feel like they should have been a larger threat and like a little bit more scary and ambitious with their goals so that when we take them down it's great I so they got towards that I think with the he she Thor joke or whatever it was yeah which seemed to be responding very nicely to the conversation around Natalie Portman being the mighty Thor and Thor love and thunder so I appreciated that but to your point Justin I think like you're saying, they already won with She-Hulk. What's their next thing? And that the fact that they keep going with Hulks, that gets to the problem that Jed points out about the plot. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah. to get there, they need to have a plot that we are watching that doesn't make a lot of sense. So that is frustrating to watch. It either needs to be amped up and more frustrating so that Jen and us are at the same place. We're like, oh, okay, we're at the same place. That's why they were doing that stuff. But since it's actually consistent with the amount of frustrating it's been on previous episodes, it just kind of continues at the same level. Well, that makes me think like what I would have liked to see in this moment is like – the Hulk busting in, the Infinity Gauntlet dropping and like landing on someone's hand, like a bunch of more like obviously we can't get other actors in here, but the Mjolnir landing and like Todd picking it up or something like a bunch of stuff where I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. But instead, it felt like they were calling out stuff that other Marvel shows and movies do as normal. So it felt sort of honestly self-sabotaging for Marvel movies and TV in general when they're like, this is dumb. I was like. This is a lot of what happens. But the so the moment where it was just kind of like, whoa, like, you know, like just kind of like she walks in. Holy crap. And then like abomination. And then like he becomes and then we see the Hulk. So there was a lot so of you're like going very Chris Farley right now just to describe for people what happened. The uh, she there's <laughs> an intelligentsia meeting. The- Jen has gone up to Emil Blonsky's compound. He's not around anywhere. Uh, we think they're two different places unless you actually notice that it's the same set. And then she goes in and finds out, oh, in fact, Emil Blonsky is giving a speech at this intelligentsia meeting. Um, it turns out later on, of course, he was just giving a speech. He was just hired from it, uh, hired by it. But I, I even felt like that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Like yeah. I wanted to see, I wanted to see everything actually brought together in a way that does feel like a Marvel movie, rather than. To me, it felt like the Emil Blonsky thing in particular. And we talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I liked the moment when it was revealed he was giving a speech. To have him back off and be like, oh, I'm just being paid for it. I'm just, you know, I'm still nice Emil Blonsky. It's all good. Felt to me like notes a little bit. It felt to me like notes on Marvel's part or notes on Tim Roth's part where he's like, no, it doesn't make sense for him to be evil and in charge of the intelligentsia. It feels like at some point he was in charge of it and he was the front of that, like we speculated, because that makes a lot more sense than Todd, you know, him being it. Well, and it also like to me, the softening of that moment. And then that when we finally find out that Wong, the post credit scene is Wong taking him. I was like, oh, you needed to save him for this next thing that he's going to be doing, because I agree with you. Like I wanted the abomination. If they weren't going to have him be in charge of it to be like, all right, I'm here to give a speech about men's rights uh, okay mm-hmm. like at least comment on a little bit like okay how can i figure this but out the, um, 
but the whole kind of confusion of like he's a you know like a speaker and you get hired to do events and he was just given cliff notes of like you guys really amped up about something and he was like general because it seemed like he didn't know so it was like a fun kind of like mix up of like he thinks he's helping these dudes you know but really he's hurting uh their kind of like their whole thing getting them fired up for a horrible cause so i thought it was a kind of uh, fun like and mix i up agree of- it was but i it, i didn't quite know where he landed on it he was like i'm just paid to be here but i it seemed like he was happy to be saying horrible things and ginning up um these dudes to do bad yeah, stuff but he wasn't was like, saying horrible things he was like you guys got to believe in yourselves and believe in your cause and he doesn't know what they're you know what I mean? right it just felt unclear to me and i would rather have had a reaction in there where he's like Oh, you guys are horrible revenge porn dudes? Okay. Uh, how can I? like? And then, then we get to be with, ride with him a little bit. Because if we're supposed to like him going in this episode and going forward, I want to ride with him here and have him be like, ah, oh, fuck, I should have read the email before I agreed, before I cashed the 10 grand check they sent me. Mm-hmm. Or any, truly any throwaway line would have saved that, I think. And it also felt like, and maybe this is just a budget thing and a production thing. Jen goes up to this compound. She's chilling out. It feels like they shot it in somebody's house, you know? Yeah, it looked that way. (laughs) Yes. So there was that part of it as well. But we do get everybody piling in. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then we get the totally meta sequence of her punching her way out of Disney Plus, going into Marvel Studios Assembled so she can go on to the Disney lot. She goes through Marvel. We see actual staffers of Marvel. I believe the guy who had her sign NDAs is the guy who actually has people sign NDAs. And I want to throw out one very quibbly nitpick here that Pete is absolutely going to hate. It drove me nuts. Why, why stop now? You know what I mean? Get all Exactly. Your We're already in. rolling. Jen's a lawyer. The fact that she was like scanning through the NDA, I was like. <laughs> you wanted her to read it? I wanted her to read it. Yeah, they didn't need to spend time with us watching it. Nobody like reads those sitting. things. Nobody reads no. that things, but she's a freaking lawyer. Of course she's going to do it. Of course she's going to look at the clauses. But what a fun moment to have like her be like meticulously reading it and the guy being like, nobody reads the NDA. She's like, I'm a lawyer and this is a lawyer show. I'm going to read the NDA. And then we see like time passing or something like that. Again, fun. Taking advantage of the moment, like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so, th- but... Uh, to, so all then this stuff. she's going down the hall. Well, just wait one second. Um, we were, Alex was talking about how this is a direct reference from the comics. And I appreciate that. Using the reference, fun. For the fans, the She-Hulk fans, um, including us, it's, it is cool. But I think just making a reference without having it make sense in the context of the TV show isn't enough. Because to me, this felt like a betrayal of me, a fan who want, who was invested in these characters to then see the writers who are sort of like, yeah, it's fine what we're making this show. And I'm like, I don't want to hear the writers be like, we're, we're doing is fine. <laughs> and then move into like having a conversation with a robot. Like I want characters that I like dealing with the stuff in their lives, no matter how high stakes or like uh, high stakes, but low stakes things it is. You know, interpersonal relationships, all of that. Instead, we get her talking to a robot about, like, what, uh, uh, when are we getting the X-Men? And, like, what are the uh, that daddy was so fun. She looked at right it, at the camera and was like, hey, right, guys? And it's again, fun. I, 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 I get it. Tatiana Maslany, very funny person. 100%. And I get, I, I get that joke. I'm here for that joke. But t- to spend so much time to get to that joke when we don't get real time with our characters to get into this stuff feels like a missed opportunity. Well, again, well, I was speaking oh, of kind of missed opportunities. I was like, I was really hoping when we saw the writer's room or the Marvel bullpen that we would see some fun cameos as far as like well, people so that, who work there or at least we did like, yeah, we did but because, also, Oh, go ahead. Pete. But I wanted, like, in the writer's room, you know, like, maybe there's just, like, a B-list character or or somebody else that's, like, there uh, who's a writer. It would be fun to see Luke Cage yes, we or did see that. something so, like that. Okay, so the two people, at mm. the very least, that we see there, it was the actual writing staff, Kat Koiro, who is the showrunner, and mm. Zeb Wells, who we know from comic book writing, but also wrote Zeb. episodes of the show. Zoop. 
is, were in the scene, but then there were two actors who were playing them on the opposite sides of the table. So if you watch the scene, you can see two people who kind of look like two people who are opposite them. The people who don't have lines are the writers. The people who do have lines are the actors who are playing Cat Coiro and Zeb Wells. So that was the winky thing that was going on there. I think my issue with this, and this is reiterating something that I said earlier on, is that the lead up here, like we were talking about, wasn't crazy enough. It wasn't pushing it enough. And then the bigger problem for me is the payoff at the end, because I think you can go meta and say, we're doing a very typical Marvel wrap up here. What if we do something different? But then when they cut back to the quote unquote real world, after they talk to Kevin, the wrap up is so quick and it doesn't actually provide anything new or satisfying in any way. Well, it, that was, she the said thing that it was, was frustrating for me. She said we're going to have it in the daylight, which is very new. It's usually always nighttime. Oh, yeah. And uh, okay, they were did fast wrong. and furious instead of somebody, uh, another. Here's so the thing. I, I appreciated the, the fast actual and plot furious of the show, ending. Whatever they think about, like Todd stealing her blood, that was the. I'm trying not to curse here. That was the plot of the show, right? The plot yeah. of the show was he steals her blood and he is attacking her and he is hulking. You right. need to resolve Come that me, in bro. some way. I understand the idea of like, oh, him turning into Hulk. That doesn't make sense because they already established in the first episode that the only people who can become Hulks are people who have the specific blood type of Jen and Bruce. And that's why it worked in the first place. They spent literally the entire first episode talking about that. So having Todd turn into a normal Hulk is nonsense. So pointing that out is fine. But then cutting back to a place where it's like, well, and then Todd was arrested. It is not well, an actual, have... It's not a payoff for Jen well, doing anything or literally what she was asking the robot Kevin about. We can't well, enjoy her defeating him because we don't not. know what like and the idea that she takes him to court rather than beats him up. I love She's that. She's a lawyer. A hundred percent. But like we don't get the we don't get to enjoy that moment because it's so fast. And so it feels like an afterthought. It's, done the, it's literally done in the uh, the art. That they show in the after credits, like it doesn't even happen in the episode. And I agree with you when she says again, and this is getting back to one of my initial frustrations with the show in the first episode, in the first couple of minutes when she's like lawyer show, and then they don't actually make it a lawyer show for four episodes or something like that. At the end, when she's like, listen, I'm a lawyer. This is a lawyer show, right? And Kevin says, yes, it is a lawyer show. The fact that we don't see that again is infuriating. Yeah. I mean, so like, and right, so I think I just they, we got, we, go through the stuff that I liked or. Well, yeah. And I, I think there's, here? there is more stuff that we like coming up, but like, I, like, I, I know this frustrates you, Pete, because you want to love all this, right? Well, or no, want, it's just, you know, uh, uh, it's it's frustrating for for whatever. I I want you guys to be able to say your thoughts and share what you're saying. It's just tough where somebody well, who had a good time is being like told how it's not fun. And you're but like, I'm not well, telling you it's not we're fun. At a party. We're supposed to be having fun. You're like, stop it. Put down your drink and think about I love, all the things. I love I that you're say. having fun. And honestly, I'd rather much rather hear your take on sort of what we're saying, like like how it felt a little like. Uh, strange to not see our the She-Hulk character that we like be able to sort of be fun and be doing the things that that she does in in comics and in all the other ways that we we've, we've yeah, liked. And to be clear, from my perspective, I agree with Justin. If you liked She-Hulk, go for it. That's great. I'm judging you, and I'm judging all of your decisions in life negatively. And looking at you natively and honestly, like questioning literally all of your life decisions, but go for it. Have a good time. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever the fuck you want, man. I'm joking. I'm joking. Pete, like Justin is saying, us criticizing the show does not actually negate you liking the show. And that's true of anybody in literally anything like this is a very stupid thing to say, but I love olives. My wife does not love olives. Me, 
her not liking olives and thinking they're gross does not invalidate me liking olives. It's but you're little, getting divorced though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're breaking a- up, and it's fucking devastating. Um, But so let's move into the stuff that I think maybe we could all enjoy at least a little bit. We uh, after we come, well, we get a great line about smashing Matt Murdock, um, which was very fun. The the chemistry what emerges from this show and what I think we loved about maybe the last episode, the uh, Daredevil um, She-Hulk relationship is fucking great. Like, I want this all day. I love her talking to Kevin about, like, yeah, I smashed Matt Murdock. I smashed that shit. Uh, No one talks about it, but I did that shit. And I love it. I also really like the line from Kevin saying, yes, we are a light of light in that department. Yes. Yes. That was great. Recognizing that the MCU is very sexless. Um, I think all of the stuff, like, in essence in that scene was pretty good. Like Pete brought up earlier. I laughed out loud at her turn to the camera with the X-Men thing. Um, yeah. That was great. I think that's the first time that anybody has mentioned X-Men in the MCU, like literally out loud. We got a we yeah. got a lot. There's a ton of things in this episode that affects the MCU. There's a lot that goes down. They say the the the, the chords were, were turned over. Like it's, you know, uh, Hulk's got a son. He went to Sakaar. Like there's a crazy amount of shit. That goes down, you know? So let's talk about this stuff then. I'm going to go back to negative land, but I do want to mention with the Daredevil thing. We haven't been out of negative land for five seconds. We took one step into positive. Positive (laughs) shit, please. We took one step into positive town. Yeah, that's all that's all you get, man. Um uh, all, I was, I, all I was going to say is... Can I just is, run yes, down go, on my yeah, list and then you go ahead. Just can shit on whatever you want to fucking shit on? There's no shit in here. All right. So, like, I love the fact that she had to move back home and I felt like that, that whole thing was very kind of like... Uh, the fact that she had to go through all those steps was rough. The fact that she sets up, like, a murder board in her mom's house and is like, you know... Bob, I'm trying to work, you know, and it's like some, you know, like somebody else's space. I love that. Like the fact that like, you know, she kind of like is fighting for her own, for her own identity. And even in her mom's house, I thought was very funny. Um, uh, And then like, I felt like there was like the fact that she shut down the narrator at one point was like, no, we're not going to get depressing was nice. I thought that was very funny. I also really liked the fact that um, uh, the it was just a shot of like the deep haikus or whatever. And she did like a couple fun uh, uh, poking fun at that. I thought that, you know, like... Uh, I mean, we joked about haikus uh, a bunch, but, uh, you know, I thought that they did a good job with that. I recited several. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, And then also, like, the music choices, like, we got... It was this interesting thing where part of me, when she's walking down the actual Marvel hallway... And there was, like, she's beating up actual guards. Like, there was this emotional thing of, like, oh, God, like... It, it, she's this isn't a TV show. Like she's hurting people at their job at Marvel, and I was like, "Oh my god!" How and, do I and feel? I also mentioned this? from an Easter egg perspective that was pretty much the same shots as the Black Widow sequence from yeah. Iron Man Two. So that was yeah. kind of the same thing that was going on there. It was a fun shout out sure. Uh, for sure. And then uh, you know, like the just the kind of like family get togethering, and it's like. What's more awkward than, you know, like nosy family members? It's superheroes who have to sit down and then deal with somebody's dad, you know, who's like, you can't have babies in L.A. Like, you can't raise kids out there. There was it was fun to see uh, Daredevil uncomfortable in that moment asking for co-counsel. And she came to his rescue, which was also very adorable. Cute. Their relationship is very cute. I do think we have to uh, agree in uh, the world of the MCU that the Hell's Kitchen is actually a hyper-gentrified, very fancy part of New York City. <laughs> and to keep calling it like a rough neighborhood, we're, uh, we have to move past that. No one who's ever been to <laughs> New York. In the comics, it's a rough neighborhood, so they're going to keep that narrative going. 
So, we can change it. We can move past. <laughs> Daredevil protecting a neighborhood that is... Like, in the comics, it's shifted a little bit. At least everyone... Like, it's about him fighting against billionaires, as opposed to him being like, look, another uh, mugger over here next to the uh, pen de Cotodien. <laughs> uh, so... I just got a couple more things here. So, and Are we then, just going to uh, move past how Justin said Le Pad Quotidien? But all right, go ahead. Yep. In a light accent? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she, That's how you say it. <laughs> Le Pad Quotidien. Eh? Uh, it's a Hell's Kitchen accent. Yeah. It's classic. Italian. Italian. Yeah. And I liked how <laughs> we had the ridiculous male news guy who is kind of like still being sexist when it came to She-Hulk. And she gives kind of her Are we going to jump to that? Why did he get the yeah. last word of the entire season, Pete? Explain uh, that to me. Well, yeah. I can, I, I'm not done. Before you oh, shit on my stuff, I want to go That's literally the last thing it. that happens, but go ahead. No, <laughs> there's a lot of great things that happen after this. So anyways, so she gives her thesis statement that, like, if you go uh, hurt or harass innocent people, I'm going to get you. And we have this moment where... The Daredevil talk in the last episode affects her, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to do both. I'm going to live that Daredevil lifestyle of, like, if law, if the law fails, I'm going to come for you. So I liked it. She was just kind of like, I'm coming for you. You're not safe, bad people. I'm coming for you. So that was really fun. Then we get the Missy Elliott song end at the end, which was really hysterical. Uh, and then in the credits, we got some really cool Easter eggs. Uh, there was talk of like uh, chicken blood, but there was like a robot, a secret kind of like robot chicken in the credits, which looked very interesting. What? And then Kevin, the <laughs> no, robot, sorry, looked very much about? like Kevin Feige uh, uh, with the hat on and all that. So it was like a yes, nice. The camera kind of... lens on Kevin, the robot, looked like Kevin Feige's hat. That right, was very cute. Right. Yeah. The chicken blood you're talking about, Saracen, who is the guy who thought he was a vampire, maybe is a vampire, was adding that into tea. What are you talking about with the robot chicken? Then? No, so the, if the you chicken... see in the credits, there was a like a, a still where it looked like Abomination was going to a secret robot chicken for something. Well, he had the chicken pet called um, Princess. I forget Princess yeah. uh, Chicken Feathers or something of like yeah. that, and that that was a reference back to that, I believe. Yeah. And I just want to say to give the show another compliment, the way that they brought back Emil Blonsky's brides, which is a really big plot point in uh, episode three, was if pretty. You're stunning. not giving compliments. No, it was, it was no, great. Because like, they, really they didn't bring it, it back. back they didn't oh, bring they it didn't? back. Yeah. This major so, plot point, they didn't bring it back. That's interesting. It wasn't that major. So shut right. the fuck up. I mean, it was strange they didn't bring them back because they did definitely get a lot of play in that, I uh, want to say, second episode. Um, but let's the the calling She-Hulk the difficult diva of law as sort of our step out the door line. I was like, very weird. Uh, right. Well, it was. Yes. A, it was very weird. Shot. Made me very uncomfortable. And I, of, well, I, yeah, the, I think they were trying to make that a point of like men are always going to judge women. But that as their final statement of the show was. Very strange. The two other things that I'll call out. One, love to see Daredevil back. Love him. Charlie Cox is great. Like you said, the chemistry is great. But the fact that they followed up on like, why would you bring Hulk back here? That's ridiculous to just drop him in. And then they literally just dropped Daredevil in. I was like, you just defeated the point, the entire point Mm. of this last five to ten minutes of what we were watching. That's annoying. Hard disagree. Uh, well, it's but, uh, hypocritical. The hypocrisy of it is what exactly. you bothered you. And then let's talk about the Scar thing. So yes. we get to see Scar. This is a character from the comic books. This is played by Will Deusner, who you guys probably know, and I'm sure you recognize this based on the look in the show, but 100%. as Joey Zarek from DC's Stargirl, a.k.a. the son of the wizard, I want to say. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, oh, wow. There you go. Uh, the guy with I the thought it looked like Channing Tatum a little bit. Yeah, no. Uh, but there you go. He has his uh, hair shaved back. He doesn't really have the scar look for the comic books. He looks like the petulant son of Hulk. Um, for those of you who haven't read the comic books, this is a character that comes out of the Planet Hulk, World War Hulk storyline, where it turns out that Hulk had a relationship with Sierra the Old Strong, and yeah. then later through some Amazing rapid aging... 
We get basically Conan the Barbarian, but a Hulk is essentially what he is. It looks like they're going for a different take here, uh, but he shows up very briefly, uh, and it's teed up that maybe he's going to show up in further movies or TV shows or things like that. And let me... Kevin kind of, uh, when they went to the Marvel office, was talking about like how that was kind of an important part. Well, and uh, they they make the joke in the... the, uh, Jen, Kevin scene, she talks about like, I'm going to be in movies. And he's like, no. And it feels like Scar, the way they sort of like yada yada to Scar. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's a movie plot. This feels like it's a She-Hulk season two plot, potentially. Um, And maybe it's like uh, she and Scar uh, pal around a little bit. Um, So that could be cool. I don't know what what that means for the larger story. Uh, It honestly... If I didn't know about Scar from the comics, I'd be like, that was a weird thing to drop in here at the end. The Hulk, who's been gone the whole time, shows up with his son, and that's it. Well, and also, just structurally, the fact that they spent the first half of the episode being like, where's Hulk? We can't get in touch with him. And then the fact that they randomly drop him in in the middle, which I understand was a joke, but actually the place where he's been and him being absent is a plot point towards the end of the episode was a very weird thing structurally for me again, because yeah, but if you can't tease the Hulk showing up and then not have him show up, that's just not no, fun. No, what I'm saying is like the thing in the middle threw it out of whack because we already saw him at that point. So right. he's not gone. He's back. Yeah, but he wasn't. It was just she paused that and then punched out of the menu. So that didn't I know. really, it did. my point is, I guess it didn't work. I guess it was interesting. Saying. Yeah, there we go. Um, and let's talk post credit real quick. Um, we get um, Wong. He the meta ref. He was sucked into another show. Then he grabs um, Blonsky and literally sucks him into another show. Um, and like, I'm curious what that means. What that is, uh, whatever. But to me, that post credit scene is infecting other parts of the MCU with this meta-ness, which is something that I think is a little bit dangerous from a storytelling perspective. And I think something that I think separated the Marvel universe at the beginning was their ability to make jokes that felt a little bit out of the storyline. The, um, uh, the Avengers joke about the dude playing Galaga mm-hmm. is uh, something like I thought great, really fun. But now that's becoming like a sort of a, a major thing that all the, a lot of the jokes are sort of separate from the story. And now we're adding the meta thing. And I'm just a little worried that we're getting to a place where everyone's so winky and like everything that it just lowers the stakes of, of everything. So if I could get like teacherly for a second, and I go, no, you guys know this stuff, but I'll just mention it for the listening audience. One thing that I used to talk a lot about when I would teach sketch classes or what I felt like were the sort of... You're talking about your nude drawing sketch classes, Yeah, when I would sketch nudes, I'd be like, go around the tay-tays, you know, draw the nips and make sure they're there. That's where you start, and then you you work (laughs) outwards. And that's what I wanted to say. Yikes. Yeah. No, you're talking about sketch comedy classes that you would teach. Oh, okay. All right, great. There's no way you can save it after that, dude. No, I definitely can't. So the thing that I would talk about is uh, sort of the three stages of a sketch comedian. And the first one is when you're writing comedy, you're sort of obviously figuring it out. You're almost feeling like you're reinventing the wheel because you've never done this before, right? So you're delving into the stuff. You're writing a lot of stuff that people have written before. You're writing it as if it's new, but it's new and fresh for you. And it's challenging for you, even though it has been done a million times. If you can get past that stage, then you move on to the second stage, which is the meta stage, which is the stage where you understand the structure, you understand the thrust of something. So you're writing things that are essentially commenting on the things that you've done before because intellectually you're breaking down the structure of the thing that you understand. But to become a real sketch comedian, this is what I would tell my students, you need to break past that second stage. You need to break past that meta stage where you understand the structure, you understand what you personally find funny, and then you find your own voice and push it forward. And to your point of what you're saying, Justin, the reason I bring this up is we really are getting the MCU in the second stage, right? The Infinity Saga was the first stage. 
The multiverse saga is the second stage. And I think to your point, that's what it's stuck in right now, is it's really responding to everything that's come before and trying to figure out that way past it. So maybe it will get past that. Maybe that will be towards the end of the multiverse saga. Maybe it will be beyond the multiverse saga. But right now, it's commenting on Marvel's one. It's one pop culture. It's one everything. So it is commenting backwards on everything that Marvel has done before. But in order to be truly creative and push forward as a franchise in some way, it needs to get past that stage. There you go. Yes. According to you and your classes. <laughs> what, Pete, what do you think about that, though? Do you? I, I, I felt like I was a, a kid back in school again. I mean, no, I'm not asleep. talking about Alex's speech. I'm talking about that idea. Well, I think the you know what's great about the show is they can do whatever the fuck they want, and I think that's one of the nice things about this show is that it's not following a formula. It's breaking walls. It's breaking its own structure that Alex says it should be following. It's doing whatever the fuck it wants to do in a way that is, uh, I feel keeps the audience kind of like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. And at a point she could stop it, pause it and say, no, I'm going to punch out of the TV and go see the writer's room. So it's, it definitely keeps you on your toes and, 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 uh, you know, is, is very interesting. I've never seen any TV show, uh, before punch through the menu wall and go talk to the people who make it. I mean, it's just one of those things where there's been other things that done certain things that have gone meta or, you know, like someone yells cut or whatever in a, in a scene or whatever. But, uh, I just feel like, um, they they are trying different things and they are messing with the form in different ways and giving a lot of Easter eggs to people who have been here for years. So, uh, yeah. I love eggs. Smashing walls, smashing menus, smashing Daredevil. She-Hulk. <laughs> Let's move on with our next section, which is our vision board, where we look forward. Where would you like She-Hulk or any of these characters, I guess, Pug, to show up next? In the MCU, Pete, let's go. spin off. Let's go. Well, we had Megan the Stallion, and then we got Missy Elliott teased a lot in this episode. So I'm really hoping that uh, we get a Missy Elliott cameo because that would be unbelievable. Uh, I thought you were going to say I'd love to see like the iHeart Radio Festival or something. <laughs> That's maybe a good good venue for you, Pete. Yeah. Uh, great, great, good, good answer. answer, Justin. What about you? Um. I, I want to see more of this show. I want to see a season two. Um, and like, obviously we've been critical. We have a lot of ideas, notes, anything you want to say, um, opinions, um, taking the show and really, um, just doing, uh, more stuff where we really get to just ride with She-Hulk because the ideas are there. The actor, the, all the actors in the show are great. The characters there, the, energy is right it just feels everything spun a little bit out of control and so i I would like to see this show um moving forward with um just a little bit more uh focus on the characters i definitely agree with that even with all of the negativity i think a lot of comedies really flourish in their second season once they figured out the bits of the characters and once they figured out how the show works Um, I've called this out before, but Parks and Recreation, I think, is a prime example where the first season, the actors are great, but the show is absolute garbage. And then they figured out what didn't work and jettisoned it and figured out a way to move forward and made it one of the best comedies of all time. So uh, not to say that it needs to reach those levels, but it can certainly do that. Otherwise, a couple of other places we could see She-Hulk and these characters. Of course, we've got Scar here. So I think if... I don't know what the rights are involved with Universal. Those are obviously very complicated. But if they do want to do some sort of World War Hulks type thing, that would be interesting. We've speculated before that She-Hulk can show up in Captain America New World Order, where the leader is going to show up as Vision, uh, as a villain, excuse me. So that's a possibility. And then the other one is Deadpool 3. We know that's happening, and it feels like almost a missed opportunity to have the two breaking the fourth wall characters to not do something together. I feel like Ryan Reynolds will know that and be aware of that and try to make that happen because that's the kind of thing he does. 
him breaking the fourth wall to find She-Hulk there is funny. Yeah. And thank you all for listening to our She-Hulk podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. Apple, iTunes, Spot... Nope, that's the same place. Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice <laughs> to subscribe and listen to the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We are going to aim to come back since there's a little bit of gap of Marvel talking about some of the Marvel movies. Movies, including yes. Thor, Love and Thunder. We know that is very much belated. Coming soon. But coming soon, among other things. Until next time, stay marvelous. Rib it and rip it. Stan Lee, I got it. Stan Lee. Stan Lee.